Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. That tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. Oh, no. They messed up. They messed up because they let us come back for another season. Here we are, guys, stacking pennies in the basement of NASCAR Productions. I'm here with my good friends in studio with Chuck Bush. Hey, how you doing? Doing some board operating stuff here today. So Your audio doesn't sound very good. No, it doesn't. Sounds like you're 10 foot away from the mic. I'm also here with Jonathan Merriman, Ice Cold Blue Mountain Takes. How are you? Doing well, sir. And Boats and Woes Pit Road Analyst, front tire changer of now Austin Sendricks. It's not a blue deuce anymore. It's a discount tire deuce. Black and red deuce. The discount deuce. Discount deuce. deuce. Discount deuce. How Sounds you doing? Sounds like my Friday night. <laughs> Happy to be here next to Merriman. You, we really can't hear anything you're saying. I, you know what? That's great because I can hear me fine, and okay. the, the people at home are going to hear it fine because I'm looking at everything coming in, and it looks great. I'll just slip an earphone off so I can hear Chuck. The discount deuce. Well, you know, we do have one winner on the show, Chuck, and it, he's sitting right next to me. Big TQ winner from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Round of applause for Ryan Flores. Never oh, even heard of it. Let's go. Never oh. even heard of it. Neither did his father-in-law when, when he had his, uh, <laughs> at his wedding. Oh, when his, my God. His father-in-law says, and Ryan's a good dirt indoor TQ midget world championship driver. Yeah, he talked about Carissa um, and how she was good at basketball. basketball. She pretty much won the WNBA championship and then totally undermined me. <laughs> <laughs> she played in the WNBA? <laughs> no, but. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Yeah. Well, man, I'm glad one of us on this show is a winner. Tell us a little bit about that before we get into it, because we have so much stuff to catch up on. We've got next-gen stuff. We've got new faces, new places, uh, and we have so much stuff for, to catch up the listeners on. But let's go ahead and knock that first thing out. What do you drive, and where would you win at? Uh, that race is in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which, thankfully for my wife, that's always our anniversary weekend. So that's an exotic people, getaway. Some people like to go to the Caribbean, or some we go stay at the Renaissance in downtown Allentown. The indoor auto racing championships, so TQ midgets, they race inside six seven six second laps. Uh, it's a it's a pretty cool little deal, and I do it because you know I grew up up there, and it's the only time I really get to race. We bu- I built that car at Corey's shop. Uh, Corey's you actually Corey's got a lot to do with it. Not quite, but I did get a shout out in Victory Lane. Well, that, you did build the built good. the gas tank. I did build the gas the steering, tank. We built the steering column. Hey, look, Lajoya seating was on your arm. I saw the I saw the patch. Yeah. You know, so, big sponsors. Yeah, Randy Randy helps me out a lot. But, yeah, it's fun to do and go up there and win. I mean, you race against some pretty good guys. Uh, Max McLaughlin, Andy J. Harper was shining the car up, family affair. That was the best part. She's old enough now where she was – like, we were pretty much rolling through tech, and I had to go to the driver's meeting, and she was with all the guys. And I'm like, hey, let's go. She's like, nope, I'm staying with the car. She stayed, pushed the car, fueled <laughs> like it. Like a watchdog. Like, yeah, she she was wanting to be uh, be there the whole time. But I've gotten to do a bunch of racing. Went to the Rumble at Fort Wayne, raced with Tony Stewart, and – been Made the show their first Made shot. Show. That's pretty cool. Won my heat race and won a street stock race, at Turkey Derby. So it's been a it's been a good off season. How do you fit racing at TQ? You're going to be going to Atlantic City here in a couple of weeks. How do you fit that in with your new and improved pit stop schedule? Trying to learn this new car. Yeah, it's been it's been harder this year than ever because we used to leave after you know after Phoenix. You wouldn't see the I wouldn't see the inside of Penske again until the first week of January, and we you know practiced a lot of, you know, the rest of November and almost all of December. So it's been a little bit tougher, but I bring that thing to New Jersey and leave it. My buddy Jimmy blew it, and he, and he takes care of it. And Carissa probably wants to kill me by the time Atlantic City's over, and it's like when we get back on the road full-time, we have a little bit more of a break and get back to a normal schedule. Well, 
And it's coming right around the corner, Chuck. It feels like we haven't even had off season. We've been testing at Charlotte, the Roval, the Oval. We were down at Daytona, run into you a couple of days ago. What is your – I want you and I want – I don't really want yours, Merriman. <laughs> I want your opinion, Chuck, on the next-gen stuff so far. So far, the next-gen stuff, and, and I will use the old-school line of it's not the off-season, it's the non-racing season, Fair right? Enough. I've never um, heard that ever said. You've never heard that? Yeah, no. I heard it said once, and I never liked the person ever well, again. Heard it. <laughs> it wasn't Chuck. It was not me, no. but I said but it now. the second person. Yeah, yeah I, I'm now the second he's person. Just in anyway, no, being down there in Daytona, watching those cars go around the track, number one thing, I, like I posted a picture on Facebook, and people were like, how do they sound? How do they sound? And they sounded great. But the thing that I noticed, like, at the end of the day, you know what they sounded like? A race car. Race car. And Steve Letarte said it on our stream. You know what they sound specifically like? NASCAR. NASCAR, NASCAR race car. The Zalst sounds good. <laughs> but Letarte put it best when we interviewed him for our live stream on NASCAR.com for the test. And that was, these things look like race cars. Like, they don't look, like, when you're there, you see the car, it doesn't look or feel any different. They look better. They do. They do. Hot take. But you can't, like, they do look better. Forget about the paint schemes. Number placement's fine, but, like, when you see a pack of the 40 cars, like, it don't matter if they're Pintos or whatever it is. Yes, like, it does. The racing's going to be good. It it does, but, like, when they're out there racing, like. I don't know what kind of point you're trying to make. The profile <laughs> of this car, like, the body lines of them, they look good. Yeah. They don't look like, some people might think that I'm crazy here. I I've never liked the look of the Xfinity cars. They look like blobs. Like, they literally look like round blobs. Cup cars, on the other hand, look – we did a little cup, little special on it around the uh, around the banquet. The GT500 looks like the Mustang. The Camaro yep. looks like the Camaro. The camera – like, they all look profile-wise, body line-wise, like the OEM cars. That's what we want. And watching them and hearing them go around the track at Daytona. I watched from the roof – by the spotter stand, I watched from in the turns, and I watched from on pit road, and it, like, I got that same feeling that, like, one, I'm excited to see a full field go around the track at Daytona. Yep. I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens in the Coliseum, but Daytona has this just, like, when you go through the tunnel, you go through that turn four tunnel, the old tunnel, and you come up, and there's the palm trees and the seagulls and the whole thing. Like, it's Daytona. It just has this allure to it that no doubt that no other place really has and seeing the te like the cars test there like i was like we're ready this this, this is going to be an awesome season they look great they sounded great driving underneath the tunnel i couldn't see them but i could hear them going by on the front stretch you could feel it like it was good it was the, nice. the point i'm trying to make is is that the cars do look good but to me as a racing fan i don't care what the car looks like if, is it going to perform? It passed the eye test for me on what I saw on the live streams, right? Like, yeah. And I think the direction we're going is is more competitive racing. That to me is is bigger than than how it looks. Do they look fantastic? Yes, but are they going to race better than they look? So the were you out there for Remains the to be seen. were you out there on Tuesday during the two o'clock sort of group session? No, we are being really conservative. Um, just because we don't have a couple different things, the manpower, the financial means, and the time or the inventory of parts to risk tearing one up. Now, Did you watch it? Of course I watched it. And what did you think? It looks very similar to what we've had the previous 20 years. It seems like 
into the weeds a little bit, the side drafting effect seems a little bit less effective. It seems like you need a really good either a pusher or somebody in front of you. That slipstream seems smaller. The bubble seems a little bit smaller. You can't really grab somebody's left rear corner, right rear corner, and pull them back like you used to just by looking at it and talking to some other guys that were in those uh, mock races. But then again, the pack's energy when there's 12 cars is substantially different than when there's 30 cars in it. So that'll certainly change. When the lanes go from two to three, business obviously picks up. But I think what we have seen is the car can withstand the loads Charlotte. Knock on wood, there hasn't been any big like parts failures yet. Granted, we haven't had any mileage, per se, to, on these things to figure out how long they last. But it is a seems to be a rock-solid kind of – it's a heavy car, but it's a rock-solid car that those guys developed. And I think there's bugs to be worked out of it eventually. But the more it's on the racetrack, the more I think continues to impress, and the more – Skip can correct me if I'm wrong. Like, the teams are going to figure it out, make them drive better, make them race better. That's just the progression of the way the sport's been for the last – 50 years. What are your pit stop times in practice? Or can I you, can't can give you. I can't. Listen. Oh, I can't give you doing? everything here. Not yet. Uh, oh, he hasn't been but, racing. He hasn't been practicing. But, uh, but as far as like what I saw at Daytona, who are the two best guys in the draft, right? It was Denny, super aggressive. And Joey. And Joey. And those are the two guys, you know, they're, it just goes to show that we're picking right up where we left off. And as, you know, as a, as a race fan first, right? And you and I have done this from every level. So like when you get on the social media, right? It's everybody from short tracks to the highest level. And, and I think that for uh, infinity, I think this will go on until we can correct ourselves. But it's always something new comes, and it's like the end of the world. Yep. And in three weeks, it's going to be normal, yep. uh, you know, three weeks into the season. And you hear a lot of stuff about the supply chain and what we're going to be able to get. And if there's not parts, they're going to have somebody make them. There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of really good, really smart people that if there's a problem and there's going to be problems that come up, they're going to be fixed quickly and efficiently and i'm excited for for the product that's that's gone out there I, I would be lying if i said two three months ago when they started testing if i wasn't nervous looking at some of this stuff but as quickly as it's been fixed and everybody in the sport now um being that there's less of a competitive edge seems to be pulling the rope in the same direction so it's even even going to get fixed by the smart people at nascar and the small smart people at the teams so when everybody's on the on the same uh, kind of wavelength what we can achieve will be uh, pretty high. And we did have two mechanical issues that I at least know of in Daytona. You had Denny, um, who None had... None of which were car-related. Like, his... Like, there was a little bit of smoke coming out, and then he... No, it was an engine failure. Engine sure. failure? Yeah. Okay, and then the other one was Reddick with the valve train issue. That's, that's another yeah. thing. So, I, th I, mean, I, I heard Reddick, he came down for a hot pit road and banged one gear too heavy, and... yeah. When you turn the little needle on the tack, reads 9,000 RPM, Chuck. That's bad. But the good thing with them is they got that, like they had that earlier in the day, got it fixed back out on the track, and he was able to still get. Why some is that money. bad? High score, man. That's how it's you. It's not win. high score. No, no. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, Pop Pop did not like seeing the little recall on the tack. What I did see at Daytona, which was cool, was the old two-car tango. You could really push somebody pretty far out, but it corrects itself. Because you can only push for so long because you're not, you know, the radiator and, and the thing is not going to allow you to push that far. So it's right. even out. That'll certainly be a variable there we're going to look at um, at the 500. I'm sure NASCAR doesn't want to see a race of tandems, but I don't think it will turn into that. You also got to take into consideration when you hear comments made from the team side about 
part shortages, they're used to having a surplus. Mm -hmm. And at this point of the year, they have, what, seven, eight, nine cars built for the first five races. Just because they have three cars worth, four cars worth of parts before they go to the West Coast Swing, by their standards, they are a short. They are lean because every team has to get one of each before you can buy a second one, right? Every team gets a center section. Every team gets front clips, rear clips, lower control arms, transaxles. So it's not like the big teams can be first in line and get all the stuff. Everybody gets the stuff at the same time. So, yeah, by Penske standards, they probably are behind on a schedule of sheets when they want to try to figure out a depth chart of the rotation of race cars because they've been used to having a surplus of 8, 10, 12 cars over the course of the year when you have to learn and kind of shift your thinking on to be a little bit more efficient, whether it be with your time or money, because that's what this whole next-gen car was designed to be. Agreed. Yep. <laughs> I mean, no, there, there's – Dude, there, I, right. the, more, the more it's on the racetrack, the more I kind of like see how it functions, see how it races, it's not – it doesn't race that much different. Is the dirty air still – like you can't build a car that overcomes physics, guys. Like it's just the leading brick is going to have more downforce than the trailing brick. Yeah. No matter what kind of wind tunnel that we're in. You mentioned the, the change thing earlier. And, like, when it comes to change, like, it's one of two things. Change makes me feel either sad or angry. Well, yeah. if you stack enough pennies, that change becomes a paper money. But, like, at the end, like, we fear change. But at the end of the day, like, change is good. And, like, you're really not going to see anything different. I was, hang on. Is that a Smash Mouth lyric? It probably <laughs> is. <laughs> It's, I think it's a dog ear lyric. Yeah, it's, dog dog ear. it's gonna be. Now. I was talking to Landon because he was a test driver for Hendrick back yeah. 10, 12 years ago. When the COT come out, the wing and the splitter and everybody at the race shops like, oh, this thing's not gonna make Bristol. This thing's gonna fall apart. Left front tire's gonna fall off. Decklet's gonna blow off because the wing on it. Like everything new sucks. It's this. It's that. Oh, hey, it actually does what we intended it to do. Yeah. Except for the COT, that was a little bit. Yeah, we could forget about there. The next gen era though. Well, and you know who sounded like a kid in a candy store when we interviewed him on NASCAR.com, guy that sat in the car, uh, in the five car at the test. Yeah, some guy named yeah, Dale yeah. or something. Dale. Dale. Well, well, my my first year well, in the sport. I got a bone to pick with that son of a. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me just make this point real quick before okay. you get get on Dale Jr. But uh, that my first year in the sport was 2007, and that's that was the I was a fabricator. Uh, at Roush, and that was the year that we ran half the old cars and half the new cars, and at the same time, oh, no. yeah, yeah, we did. I mean, not not at the same time, but in the same year, you know. I think anything under a mile, a mile and under yeah. was COT cars and mile and a halfs and and bigger were pop quiz. Who won the first COT race? Well, Kyle, Kyle Busch. Who won the Who won the last ever steel body car race? Oh, well, Matt Kenseth. Maybe I know whoever who won. Who, who won the Daytona 500 that year? Who won the Daytona 500 that year? Uh, what year I was know that? that Newman? Kevin Harvick. Was it Harvick? Newman was, was the that next the year. Mark Martin? Yeah. Okay. So we are leaps and bounds ahead of where we were with this car than we were V1 version one of the COT car. So I, that's what I was nervous about because the first version, you if you build a, a late model stock sitting on your surface plate, if you get a chance to do it again, it's going to be way better. Yeah. Right? But we're, we've, we're pretty good shape right now. We are in pretty good shape right now. It is not as bad as some people are making it out to be because we're going to be racing here in three weeks, boys. On track fixes everything. Man, I can't not, Dude, it's going to be – that race is going to be so sick. It's going to be amazing. Which one? The, uh, the, the LA Coliseum. The 
from the you know they sh- they showed the aerial view in the the Rams Niners game and it's like you know you see all this construction video and the pictures and stuff coming out of there but you know they zoom out and they show you the finished thing it's like there's, there, it it looks exactly like that's what that place was yeah. built for. Sick. It's insane. Some people would not think so, but I think so. Somebody did an AutoCAD drawing of cars on the track and compared it to like Bowman Gray, Bristol, and a couple other like places, and then some other stadiums for reference. And it's going to be good. It looks going to be good. Yeah. It looks amazing. Now, look, it's going to be like the dirt race was last year, right? There's going to be guys that go in there thinking, not taking it very serious. And then like, you look at what Joey did. We went dirt racing with him last year, and he went there just with a different mindset to the dirt track. Like, hey, I think I'm going to win this thing. And just because of his mindset, it propelled him to be able to do that. And like, there's going to be guys that go in there that are like, this is stupid. And there's going to be guys that go in there that are just planning on winning. From your experience, I know the new rack and pinion system – make some handle different the bigger brakes make some feel different is there anything you can do over the off season minus testing a next gen car in the LA Coliseum which you can't do to prepare yourself for this i mean what's it junior says it feels like a super late model and you know that's I don't know what, if Dale Junior's ever driven a super late model well i mean <laughs> him and clint were talking about i don't know i'm, I'm just could be making it up yeah. but like they say it feels like other things that they have driven so what's the closest thing you can do to get laps or is there uh, anything not really right because the testing limiter is tires you can't get tires to go test um so that's how nascar kind of keeps the clamps on that but you know getting getting seat time at short tracks you know growing up or there's really not maybe get you can even get in a modified and go to bowman gray but you can't test it or either that's why it's never an even playing field but for the L.A. Coliseum especially, and then for the first 10 races of the season, it is as even of a playing field as it's ever been in the sport, I think, in my opinion. So that's what I'm so excited about. Cause can you win a heat mind, race? You think you can win a heat well, race? I think, I'm, I think I can win the whole thing. Why not? There you go. I Wait, mean, why are you limiting him a heat race? Because yeah. I was setting him up for a soundbite, Skip. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. right there on Instagram is going to do a lot of that's clicks. going to get a lot of clicks. You're welcome. It's forward thinking. You know, and people might think I'm overconfident. Why, like, why not go in there thinking – I'm one of the three guys that won a Canaan race, the only track similar to where we're going to go race, Bowman Gray. And you're doing it in equipment that is equal, literally equal. Yeah. With I don't know if you guys are taking a car that you've tested, but theoretically, we're taking like a test car. You know. Yeah. You should. You should. It's the same thing. Yeah. Same exact thing. Mentality-wise, what are you doing behind the wheel of a Cup car if you don't think you can go out there and win? Hang on, Chuck. Pin that thought. I did. More than likely, everybody's been testing the same cars with, with within some teams. All those test cars will be going to the clash yeah. because you ain't taking your 500 car out there. You're not taking your 500 <laughs> car, and you're also you haven't been testing your 500 car because that's the one where their seams are lined up and the hood fits nice. Like the test cars, like let's just let this thing go and we'll scratch it up and bend it up and, and who cares? That's going to the clash. That that'll be your backup for the West Coast swing. What was your point? My point is this: if your mindset going into the clash isn't I'm going to win this thing what are you doing behind the wheel of a cup car to begin with yeah like you need with with everything going into it yeah knowing that this is the most like you said the evenest playing field that you're Mm -hmm. gonna have if you don't think I can go out there and win this why are you driving and I think that also brings up a point I was looking at the entry list this is probably one of the more I I say stacked it's the one of the more solid top to bottom fields Mm -hmm. that I can remember when those 36 guys there's really not any slouches. I mean, there's going to be what's, what do they start? Twenty three cars, twenty four cars, somewhere around. Let's just say, give or take twenty. 
Okay, let's Somewhere call. There. So there are going to be 16 guys. Of those 16 guys, there's going to be some big names going home. The only one that's going to be locked into the show is Kyle Larson, right, because yeah. he's the previous champion. Beyond that, you could see guys like Denny Ham. Denny Hamlin's a really good short track driver, probably a bad one. But, like, there's going to be some good guys watching the race from the grandstands eating a hot dog, drinking cold bush light at the bush clash. I had this thought, and, look, I'm not brushed up on the rules like I need to be, but, like, Burt Myers was out there at the Bowman Gray test when we were out there talking to Junior, talking to Tony, talking to Clint. Like, I don't know. If you're if you're a team that is has an invitation out here and, you know, you think maybe – I mean, what are the odds to, to think that Burt Myers could go out there and hang with people at the, the clash? Mm, well, he'd, he wouldn't have a seat, right? 36 chartered teams, 23 make the, the main event. Yeah. Could Burt Myers – is Burt Myers – capable of competing with those guys yes uh because burt myers races bowman gray weekly is he going to have a leg up on the guys that uh, on the guys in the cup field like to think that those guys can't figure that out quickly because he does it every week he, he does it and he does it well at bowman gray he does yeah i guess my question is the amount of track time that guy has on a track like the la coliseum no. does that overcome anything he's he wouldn't go in there and be like Kyle Larson by any means. Be like a Kyle Larson at the Chili Bowl or something like that. He wouldn't. I mean, look at what like Kyle is the premier dirt racer. He didn't do so hot at the Bristol Dirt Race, right? We thought he was just going to lap the field. No, there were circumstances where they overheated and all that stuff. And it, but, but still, there would would Burt Myers because he's good at Bowman Gray come in and go win at the LA Coliseum. He he might he might compete, but you you wouldn't give him the check. There's a particular finesse and discipline to figure out how to make a 3,600-pound race car go do things that, you don't, that it doesn't hey, want to do. You ain't got to tell me. I have to turn corners and hallways and stand up and sit down all the time. If you want to talk about weight, <laughs> I got that figured out. Moving it around when it doesn't want to do it. When, I got to pick Tony's brain, actually, about the Bowman Gray test because he drove there. We talked to him about it a little bit when we were racing at Fort Wayne, and the one thing he brought up were the, t- were the amount of grip in the tires. And that's something, he, you know, he said, once you cross the line. He looped you, it a few times. Were, he said, that once you cross the line, you weren't getting it back. If you yeah. drove it in too hard because of the uh, the smaller, stiffer sidewall, there's not as much give there. And I've been to probably 50 tests in my life, and I've never seen as many cars spin out as what spun out of Charlotte. And that's what has me excited because if you do step over that line, there should be consequences. Yes. There should be a limit that you can tow, right? The, the razor fine level of grip, right? There should be, because what we have with the Gen 6 car with the tall spoilers and a lot of lot of side force and no power, you couldn't spin that sucker out if you wanted to. Well, what was going on with Jones's car being yawed out? Glad you asked. So that can't happen in a race, can it? No, because, I mean, NASCAR doesn't like to see the cars yawed like that, no matter if it's to the right for intermediates or to the left for speedways. The reason for that is they're trying to get the – the spoiler out of the air, yeah. right? You let the A-post block the left side spoiler. So you can do that a couple different ways now. It used to just be with straight up truck arm split or rear end skew, but the rules in the Hawkeye was what limited you uh, on that amount you can skew it. Now you can bump steer the rear just like you can bump steer the front. So you can set your geometry in a way when you roll it through tech at one height, the tires are straight, and then as the car travels, it tows the both tires to the left to get the blade out of the air. I would imagine 
NASCAR is going to make a rule to prohibit that. Well, I mean, you don't want cars looking like that, looking like arteries. I mean, I know in the in the corners, right? Like, he's probably driving out the the side view mirror, but like you're going down the straightaways, you look like to me he's looking at the damn A post. Yeah, I mean, it it's was a like funky, it's a funky look. So at the test, right? You're not rolling the thing through the Hawkeye. You want to take, you want to go. Okay, if a little bit works, let's try a little bit more, even if it's not within the, the way of the rules, and figure out, okay, this is too much. Yeah. Now we know the box that we have to work with, whether or not we can get there. Were you around him at any point on the track and, like, saw the car? And like I literally made eight laps. Okay. Uh, I, I did two single car runs, and then I, I drafted with the Hendrick cars, and then I let Josh learn and drive that next-gen car, and then Landon had the, the following day. So I didn't get much drafting experience, but – Nothing is new under the sun, my friend. I was just wondering what went through your mind. NASCAR has a has an easy way to fix that too, right? Like, yeah, you can do that. You can run reverse skew in your car like that if you want to, but good luck racing that for 500 yeah. laps, right? It might be good for one lap, but you have to with impound qualifying. If I mean, if he tries to, if somebody tries to race like that, you're not gonna be able to take a push. Yeah, and you're gonna bust your ass at some point in time. You're not gonna run 500 miles like that. Like nope. we, you know, you, you you used to see those cars be like that in qualifying, but then you could go and switch your setup to be able to race for 500 laps. So it'll have a way of correcting itself. The garage always kind of pleases itself on that stuff. For sure. You touched on it. When you have a test, you're pushing the limits to see what, and especially with a new car, you want to go past yeah. where you're going to be in order to – I don't know where I'm going with this. No, no you're, you're going to go past where you think the box of the rules are to see – you're going to swing the pendulum the other way. Okay, that Wait, was a game. Well, and, and you got nothing yeah. to lose on a test. Well, right. It's like the tandem stuff that you saw with the Penske guys. Like, you're going to try that to see For what sure. this car can do in that, knowing you're not going to do that in a race. That's not going to be – So, And then you've got the games with some people potentially sandbag, and you've got yeah. this – like, people are putting a lot of stock into any of these test session like speed charts that Bob Pocker's post. Yeah. Yep. Forget about that, yeah. guys. Like, that's the, people are trying, taking yeah. weight out, no fuel load, a lot of nose weight, like stuff that when everybody's apples, apples, when we come to Daytona, single car speed, when we go to wherever we go to next, Fontana or whatever, like yep. that's when you'll start to see who's hitting it and who's not. Yeah. On Wednesday, the Chevys went out and did another group run, sort of mm. single file all the way around. I think it was the 7 and the 37. Kind of lost it. 47. 47. Yeah. Kind of lost it for a little bit, and then they got back up to it. So, like, to me, I'm watching that, and I'm like, well, do they have the speed, or are they hanging back to see what happens if you get separated? No, from what, I, what I was told is the back car kind of gets clipped off yeah. with just the way the, the bubble's smaller. So, if you're the last car in, like, a six- or seven-car line, and the guy in front of you doesn't back up to you, like drag a little bit of brake. If you start, if you get outside of that bubble of like a car length and a half, two car lengths, as soon as that bubble like starts to wrap around and catch the spoiler, it sucks you right yeah. off. So you got to back. Don't smile, man. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I have a question. I saw you over there smiling. No, I have, I have a question, man. Get your mind out of the <laughs> If that car in front of you, yeah. like if, if you're working with somebody that's like an OEM teammate, they need to drag back a little bit because that's just. An, another element of the next-gen car's aero build that's different than what we had. Because that whole session was weird because you had the Penske guys out there tandem-ing, kind of. Yeah. And then the Chevy guys were doing that. And the way it looked from pit road, it looked like Chevy was catching Ford, but in reality it was Ford catching Chevy because the speeds were at like 187 with the Chevy pack, but like 191 with the Ford. I have two questions. First, I've heard 
in relation to the steering that a bigger steering wheel is the key to driving better. True or false? That's driving feel. Okay. That's that's not a true or false. That is some guys like quicker steering, some guys like a lighter wheel, some guys like a heavier feel of like they want more feedback, a little bit less power steering assist. So are you running a bigger wheel than you ran in Gen 6? I'm running the same size wheel. I'm running a slower rack. So okay. With the steering box, you had ratios, right? You had eight to ones that you would run in a Martinsville or so six the, to ones. So the compensation is up, not in the wheel, up, it's in the box, right? Shush for a second. I'm going to give you some knowledge. <laughs> I'm trying to do a You went to Martinsville version. with the six, and then you would go to Daytona with a 16 to one, right? It's just a slower ratio box with the same amount of wheel input. So there's a different ratio of racks. So I think there's three options, one of which is like a 10 there's like a 12, and then there's a slowest rack. Um, we had like the middle. So rack. a slower rack, you have to have more steering wheel input to make it turn. The same amount. So if you are if you start your right hand at 2 o'clock and it ends up at 12, right, a slower rack's going to turn the wheel less. Yep. Right? A faster rack turns the wheel more for the same amount of wheel input. Yeah, gotcha. So some people experiment with different size wheels. That makes my brain hurt. Just give me the same size wheel, and I'll f- just figure it out. So second question and I haven't heard anything come out of this Atlanta test. Yeah. They tested a bunch of different stuff down there on the banking. Yeah. Dude, it looks so banked down there. It, it looks <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I think it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. So Have so, you heard much feedback from it? Yeah, I talked to Ross. 30 laps wide open, fairly easy. They swapped the lead a couple of times. Said the second and third lane got working towards the end of the run, but um, it's hard to tell with three cars yeah. down there, right? And you're also – you're racing a wheel force car, and a lot of those things have the wheels force, what do they call them, transducers that are 200 grand a wheel, so you don't really want to be super aggressive with those. So Atlanta's going to be wild. Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to be one of the wildest races of the year. Now, do they have a scheduled Atlanta test for everybody or no? No. No, I think that once the OEMs got their wheel force data, they will have their simulation fine-tuned enough at that point of the year to feel good about rifling off simulation models. One more thing I'll touch on before we get – too far ahead of this is like when you look at the tests one thing that that is good especially early in the season is like you you see like a store house there with like 75 people right and then you see like Corey's team over there with sparks him and a tape measure it's literally and they me, go sparks, the same and my engineer and you guys are able to go the same speed if not faster yeah so that's kind of what we've done this for right like if you want to if you want to have a, a championship of drivers and 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 teams you know that doesn't have to do with employing 400 people, this makes it way easier for somebody to come in and start a team. For sure. And also puts as much value as put on the people beforehand, I think it puts even more so value in your engineer, in your crew chief, in your driver, as well as a pit crew. Like your personnel that have to get their brains together to figure out how to make the same parts and pieces assembled go this much faster than the next guy will be that much more important because – you know, in years prior, Gibbs could have went to the wind tunnel and found 60 more counts of downforce. And you can really kind of rest your hat on that, right? Like downforce is free speed. And now they've got the same body, same underwing, same all, like there's no trinkets there to really get too far gone from the rest of the competition. So that's what I love. Perfect example of that. And we'll touch on it in boats and woes, but like to pit stops, right? Everybody's like right away. Oh, one lug nut, it's easier. And I'm like, no, it's definitely not easier because you have all these elite pit crew guys who are very good at their job. So now you have less lug nuts hit. You're just going way faster. 
And now I have to find a way to be faster than everybody else just doing this. So you have to, you, it goes, okay, now one lug nut, what, where can I get faster? What is it? A tire pole? Is it exchange times? What is it? So your value when you figure out how to be two tenths better than the next guy is astronomically higher. The box is so much smaller. And is it, is it, I make less mistakes. I, I don't ever have a loose wheel. You know, where, where's your value going to be? And that's, that's what you have to keep up with in the sport all the time. Well, there's some value coming up on pit road boats and wheels. Let's just get right into it after this break. See where we can stack some pennies on these uh, on these pit stops. So stick around. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And we are rowing the boats and woes here again. Good friend Ryan Flores, front changer. On a new face driving that two-car this year, Austin Sindrick. What is that new car, one lug nut car? Is it giving you fits? What are y'all doing over there? It's uh, it's definitely different, right? The years past, you know, I'm going on to my 16th season, so 11 of them changing tires. And for the first time, like it, it's a lot the same. There's a lot that's the same. The tempo is kind of the same. You have to go fast. You have to work on your movements. Uh, you can step over the line. If you try to go too fast, it's really bad. But – I think for the first, you know, for the first couple of weeks back in December, it was like, we just got to make sure that we finish a stop, right? Like, we could try to get it done. And now we're, now we're past that fine tune and where we're trying to work on what will it be like when we go to Daytona. Cause we're going in three weeks or four weeks, whatever it is. And, um, just the, the problems that come up, the, the stuff that you see every day. And I feel like we, we have a really good understanding of it because of one of our pit coaches, Sean Reineman, who's been the IndyCar coach at our place forever. The gun and the nut, uh, the wheel, it's a lot like what an IndyCar is. So he's been a great person to talk to about it. Uh, he's really brought a lot of knowledge. I, I pick his brain way too much. What are some things over the course of the stop, whether that's the gun's bigger, There's is, is the RPM in the socket similar? So understanding what's tight and what's not is challenging at times. And now the person putting the tire on is just as important to getting the wheel tight as the tire changer. Why is that? Uh, because the guns, when, when they picked out the Paoli gun, 
we kind of went with the sport version instead of like the F1 really good version. They went with a, you know, more of a sport version. If the wheel isn't held flat, the gun's not going to suck it up, right? And then if you, if your gun angle isn't right or you don't get the button switch, like that thing's not going on. Obviously, if you don't get the button switch and the gun's going the wrong way, it's not getting on. I get a lot of questions about cross-threaded nuts. It's going to be hard to cross-thread them. Now, you can mess the threads up, and it's a lot slower going on, a lot slower coming off. But as far as just like a bad cross-thread, that's not going to be as much as an issue as not getting it tight. Because you know what it's like to not get it tight. Yeah, we had a wheel fall off in, in testing. Now, will there be – so we seized one up as well. We couldn't get it off just on like a routine change, right? It came back in, couldn't get the lug nut off. Now, will that happen if the stuff's not anti-seized or whatever properly? So to test – I don't know what happened with your stuff, but there are aluminum wheels going over steel threads. Yeah. The aluminum can build up in the steel thread. Okay. So if it's not clean, it's just like anything, anybody that's ever, you know, run a run a bolt and stripped out, you know, had aluminum mm-hmm. on the threads there, it can build up, build up, build up. And if it's not clean, you don't clean it. It could really affect the nut going on or coming off. The you raise your hand? How do you clean it in a race? See, that's where I was going. You're You're ahead of me. For a race, you're going to do eight pit stops maybe at the most, where when you're at the test or at pit practice, you're doing 30. That wheel's on and off all the time, on and off, on and off, on and off. Just like uh, it it was a little bit different with five nuts because it was the glue that would get bad, but you really aren't going to run with the amount of pit stops you do. You're not going to run into that issue at the race. You could at like a Darlington where you're doing 16 stops, but it just it's going to be less of an issue than like the glue was on the studs back in the day but there's we're gonna see problems every week it's it's gonna be really hard to get through a race without losing a nut the nut wants to fall out of the gun i i said at one point i have like this thought in my head that maybe i'll maybe the nut will fall out on the left front and the guy like two pit stalls down his will come out of the left rear and when they do they like hit the ground and go like a million miles an hour away from you and i want to catch his and put it on my wheel and go <laughs> keep going but uh it's it's all issues that you're gonna have to work through and the good thing is the opportunity to be better or worse than your competition is going to be there. And the, the difference between good stops and bad stops, where we had it so fine-tuned doing five lug nuts for, what, 50 years of the sport, it was so fine-tuned at, like, two or three-tenths, right? We saw Larson be three-tenths better than the 11 and, and win the race off here. Now it's going to be, like, seconds to start, right? So you're going to see some teams that are a second or more better than – better than other teams. and with, with that being said, what's the range of what is considered a good one relative to a good five nut, nut stop? Yeah, I think I think a, like a good five lug nut day would be 12 seconds, right? Like that's like an average stop. And I think two, I think 10 seconds will be a good stop for a one nut going forward. But I think a bad stop for five lug nuts is like a 14. I think a bad stop for one lug nut is like an 18. Really? Yeah, because it gets bad quick. When, when you lose a nut or you have something major happen, you're going so much faster. Like when you're getting off the right side in three, three under, under four seconds, if you don't get that thing tight and you don't realize it fast enough, now all of a sudden you're at the left front and you still have the nut from the right front in your gun. <laughs> like I've, and it's funny, but you saw that happen at the test. When really? Hendrick, Hendrick had that happen at the test. And at that point you're like, oh, okay. They literally hit it. And it didn't go on? It didn't. It, well, it feels like it does, so you leave because your brain hasn't kept up with it because your gun kind of ratchets. And then you get to the left front, and the nut from the right side still in your gun, and you're like, uh-oh, we got to, okay, we got to run back around, jack the right side up, put the nut on, and then come back. So the the risk 
is like the risk of a bad stop is so much higher and the penalty is going to be so much more. The mistakes are much more costly than they were before. A loose wheel, which it, the tire might not come off because there's detents with the lug nut if it's on there, won't come off. But if there's a loose wheel, it could kill your day. If it galls the threads up, like your day could be done if you can't chase those things behind the wall. Yeah, we used to just put a wheel spacer on and go on. You yeah, that's those from days the are over. That's done. Two questions. With a five lug wheel and tire combination, when you put power to it and the lug nuts aren't tight, the studs are going to grab the wheel and turn it. Yeah. If you've got loose lug nuts on a center lug wheel, do you run the risk of stripping the inside of the wheel out and then no. not being able to get traction? No, there's wheel studs in there that go in the back in the back side of the wheel. Okay. Right. That, but they're about an inch and a quarter long that go in there. We've seen before. Hey, I got a loose wheel. All right, try to run it out. You're not going to be able to drive the car with a loose wheel. No. You had he had one, and he's like, hey, something's wrong. Come back under in. pace lap speed. Right. Like you cannot race. Like. It, you will, like, it's either loose and you're coming in or it's tight and you're going. And then second one, and I'll shut up and <laughs> give you your segment back. You know, we saw with five lugs, people gluing lug nuts to their helmets. Yeah. Are you going to have yeah. a single stud, like, magneted to your chest in case one shoots down pit road or what? Yeah, I think right now, you know, you watch a lot of the IndyCar guys, they keep them on their belt. Okay. But you're going to have to have two nuts, right? So what keeps the... <laughs> <laughs> Lance Armstrong, God, this is brutal. Lance Armstrong was okay with just one. I get, I get it. Sorry. You better keep that in there, Chuck. Seven-time champion. What keeps the nuts in the gun, like in the socket, uh, is an O-ring. So, God forbid, you go to the right side and your O-ring breaks, you're losing the right side nut, then you're coming to the left side, and you're going to lose the left side nut as well. You have no choice. So, you have to have two backups. So, you have to have two nuts ready to go at all times. Gotcha. How many, how many are you going to travel to the racetrack? As many nuts as possible. No, I might have a whole bowl of nuts <laughs> like this bowl in front of me. Like right now, I'll keep one on me all the time in practice just to get ready. I for got it. one on me right now. <laughs> I got two nuts on me right now, and that's enough nuts and boats and woes today. Let's. We got some Hall of Fame stuff. We got new places, new faces, and some all too soon championship four predictions, which none of Merriman's four will be correct. Uh, and we'll talk to y'all in a minute. Stay tuned. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And we're back. As we mentioned earlier, 
Ryan Flores is changing for a new face in a new place in Austin Cindric driving that number two Ford Mustang. There's some other ones. Merriman, do you know all of the new faces in the new places this year? Pop quiz. All right, quiz me. He just did. <laughs> tell, give me, tell give me a car number. No, I'm not giving you a car number. You six, should know these. Six is Brad Keselowski. All right. uh, the two. The two is Austin Cedric. The 21. 21 is Harrison Burton. Okay. The one. Uh, Ty Dillon. I don't know what car number he's driving, 42. but he's driving. Yeah, uh, f- yeah, he's driving for Petty slash GMS. Yep. Jacques Villeneuve yep. uh, is in the 27. I feel like, hang on, pause. That is a big deal. Can, can yeah. we talk about that for can a second? Can we talk about Did that for a second? F1 hey, can I champion? get a grade first? No. No. <laughs> no, you were on the roll, but I want to talk about Jacques Villeneuve, F1. 1997 F1 world champion, yeah. guys. Yeah. He's not a slouch. No. Like, put some respect on this man's He's name, down Chuck. At the end yeah. of the Tell garage. him you like crepes. I will not do it. <laughs> But no, it, it was like folded pancake. It, the Daytona test, like he was just, you know, walking through the garage and was like, oh, that's an F1 champion right there. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big deal, man. And I love the fact that he's putting the helmet on with us for the Daytona 500. Well, I love the fact that that team, too, is like they, they saw the opportunity that NASCAR is presenting to people and they went out and started a freaking team. Yeah. Well, Bought I mean, cars. Colleg is running two cars. You guys are running multiple cars. Yep. So, speaking of Colleg, I'll continue my <laughs> quiz. Justin Haley in the 31. Yep. Uh, and then they're splitting time, I think, in the 16 with A.J. Allmendinger, and I don't know who else. Hamrick. That's not – yeah, there you go. No, and there's one more. Uh, there's one one more. For – There's one more car you're missing. Only one, though. The 77? No, there's just one more. Oh, the one car? Yeah. Ross Chastain? <laughs> yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. oh, no, what about – no, Did there's another that? one, 45. When I come back like Jordan, wearing the 4-5. Oh, yeah, and Kurt Busch. Games with you. Yeah, Kurt Busch. Old Curtis. Had some steam down there at Daytona. It was pretty fast. Dude, he's a good road – he's a good – he is good, but he's, he's a, a good, good speedway racer. Kurt's in an interesting spot in his career, right? Like, he could retire and no one would second-guess anything, right? No one would be like, oh, he stayed too long. Like, he's in an interesting spot, but – he is also in a place where I feel like he, and I, I sound a lot like Chuck right now, he's got a glimmer in his eye with this next-gen car. Like, he's going to come in and win a couple races, and, like, he ain't done, in other words. Kurt Busch is in victory lane multiple times this yeah. year. Yeah. Really? Hot take. Ooh, I like it. Segway. Mm-hmm. Segway. When Kurt Busch hangs it up, the outlaw, yes. is he a Hall of Famer? Yes. Oh, are you – hold on. Yes. We had this conversation over text message, and Corey really made me mad <laughs> over this. If Rusty Wallace is in the Hall of Fame, then Kurt Busch is in the Hall of Fame. How you figure? They're both Rusty single- Wallace is better in the Blue Deuce than Kurt Busch was. <sighs> I mean, they're both they're both single time champions. I'm just torquing you up. I oh do agree. God. Kurt Busch is a Hall of Fame. And look, in in I don't know. I'm gonna stop there because no, I'm don't not, stop. There. I'm not gonna be accused of blasphemy. But I, I just what, have the same that Rusty Wallace isn't the greatest. I I saw the look in his eye. I noticed. I have the same sort of feelings about. Uh, you know, Bill Elliott, one-time champion. He's a Hall of Famer. Granted, he's got a lot of most popular drivers behind his name, the same as is Dale Jr. So, like, you know, th- they're different. They're different categories. Personal feelings come into play there. But is is Kurt Busch a Hall of Famer? Yes, and he should get in the first time he's on the ballot. Dale Jr. is a champion. I I agree. He's a two-time champion in Xfinity. I'm talking about Cup Series. Also, champion owner. Hold the phone. This is where I want to bring up your Hall of Fame accolades or what's on your resume is the impact that you make on the sport in addition to the statistics. I think, personally, if you left the sport a better place than what you were when you got there, that should be as big of a factor for being voted in 
Some people could be a little bit more statistics heavy. Kurt Busch, I could probably say, is one of those. Granted, he's done a lot for the sport off of it. Same thing for Dale Jr. Continues to progress the sport further even after he's done driving. That's why Dale Jr. should be a first ballot Hall of Fame. This will get interesting. Say, Even though he left me on red. Yeah, he he left you on red. There you go. <laughs> I still will burn about it, but I'll get over it. So Denny Hamlin, Kurt Busch, if they're on a Hall of Fame ballot at the same time with the current statistics and you can only pick one of them to get in, who do you pick? Kurt Busch. Chuck. Without question, Kurt Busch. Kurt really? Busch. Really? Yeah. Denny really? Hamlin's yeah. got almost – he has 49 or 50 wins. He hasn't got the 50 yet, but he's close, 40-something. It could also be just my frame of reference of watching NASCAR when it didn't work for NASCAR. The name Kurt Busch stands out more to me uh, because of the stuff with Jimmy Spencer back in the day, like his wins. Can I tell you how heartbroken I was when that wheel fell off that he didn't run into those rain barrels oh and on pit road at Homestead 2004? This is before I worked in the sport, before I, before I you know, obviously had a relationship with he any of these guys. He won the championship that year. He did. That's, yeah. I mean, it was like, oh, it's not going to happen. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and then he won it. I just, you know. Like, I feel like just in that time frame, Kurt Busch just felt like he had more impact outside of but now you've got Denny Kurt Hamlin. Bush was lightning in a bottle around 2004 I believe Chuck that solidifies my point right so we all know Denny Hamlin's not going to go in the Hall of Fame next year he's on the ballot next year because he is now owning a team he's making an impact on the sport for right. the next 10 years when he does when he's what is it four or five years removed from active driving I thought it was three, three but yeah. I believe three I think it's four because Jimmy if Jimmy's been removed for three. But we also lose a year with the. It was it was kind of gummed up. Yeah, this. Uh, so I guess my point being, Denny will be in the Hall of Fame, a because his career driving the race car statistically is good enough to make it, but solidifies by what he's doing after his driving. Kurt's got thirty three wins. Denny has forty six. Uh, a couple years ago at Sonoma, I specifically remember Denny being like, "If you eclipse thirty wins, you are a Hall of Famer." Right, and like that's just the mark that he had in his head. So like, both of them have the accolades. Kurt's got the got the championship. So I mean, did you answer the question? Which one are you putting in, Kurt? Or that's Danny? a hypothetical question. I like it because they're both going to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, they are, but but who goes well, in first? If you have to pick between the two, who goes in first? Kurt, because he's older, he's going to retire sooner. Oh man! But we also don't know what Kurt is going to do in post retirement yet. Like right now, Correct. we know that Denny has a team, and he's probably going to fall back on that when he retires but we don't know what Kurt Busch is going to do because Kurt hadn't played that hand yet it's hard to do with act when they're when people are active all you have to do is just say a name <laughs> hang on hang on I have, to, I have to preface that Denny gave me a flight home from Tuesday night oh test. yeah how was that so did you guys talk it was nice yeah yeah buddies you gonna play basketball no my oh. niece can't handle it hey call me if you need some backup no I'm good it's it's a tough it's argument too. right like you look at a guy like Ricky Rudd, right? He was a badass, and when he's racing cars, you're like, hell yeah, Ricky Rudd. And, but then he's out of the garage for a couple of years, and everybody kind of forgets about him. So it's the impact, like you said, that you leave on the sport. Yeah. And and But but you also look at, like, I'm skewed, right? Like, we've seen he's Jimmy, like we, we've seen Jimmy Johnson, right? So if, you, mm-hmm. if any of these guys, if you put, like, okay, Jimmy Johnson, Denny Hamlin, Kurt Bush, like nobody's done what that guy's done. Is Jimmy Johnson, a unanimous pick? Yes. I put Jimmy Johnson in the Hall of Gordon, Fame Jeff yesterday. Gordon didn't get unanimous Yeah, Jimmy, pick. Jeff Merriman. Gordon don't have Jimmy Johnson's numbers, dude. Yeah. This is like Jeff a, Gordon Merriman. has 93 wins. Merriman, no. just please drop this right now before I come over this. So, <laughs> I'm just asking, like, it's a thing in baseball. It's a thing in football. Like, 
Nobody ever gets unanimously voted in. Does Jimmy Johnson is Jimmy Johnson the first guy yes. that no one votes against to go home? Do you have to ask the question? Dude, I'm putting Jimmy Johnson. I'm putting Ron. But you know I'm there's always Ron. one person in the room who's like, oh, Listen, we can't have it be unanimous. I'm putting Ron Malik in the Hall of Fame before Denny Hamlin right now. Like, like, <laughs> I'm serious. What those guys did together yeah, is true. like you put respect on that. Yeah. I'm not a, a guy that's like, do you know how tapped in a freaking car chief has to be every week? Like the crew chief gets all the accolades. Yeah. But Ron yeah. Malik has seven championships working on that thing. Yeah. That is. But that, I'm not, I'm not discrediting them. I'm saying, do you, do you I mean, think the room is going to unanimously, unanimously I, vote? They I'm, should. I, think, I agree. They should. I think my foot is going to be up your ass. If you <laughs> I, that Jimmy Johnson I, I'm switching this conversation. And I want to ask you, does Ron Malik deserve to be in the hall of fame more than Denny Hamlin and Kurt Busch? What no, do you think? No. You know, why not? To your point, the impact. Like if if and this is no disrespect to to Ron, a fan sitting at home is going to know Jimmy Johnson and Denny Hamlin more than they know Ron Malik. Whether that is a a good thing or a bad thing, it is a thing. Uh, it I, is just the way it is. I, well, but it's the NASCAR. Hall Can we of just fame, go right? back talk about Rusty Wallace? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think I think that that's a, a legitimate argument from a, a guy that sits argument. in the garage. You know, uh, a car chief is. I would say a car chief is the hardest job in the garage, right? They're, a crew chief gets a lot of accolades. They do all the strategy. But as far as with the nuts and bolts of the car, he's the first guy there, the last guy to leave. But is he For famous? Sure. It's all fame. It's a thankless job. Will anyone other than a driver, crew chief, owner, or broadcaster go into the NASCAR Hall Why of Fame? Why not? If there's one that needs to go, it would be him. I agree with that. I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to. We need to make T-shirts. Ron Malik for the Hall. We'll do that right after the Broval run. And uh, new one out of this show, Zalst. That's your <laughs> mufflers there. Zalst. Zalst. Zalst shirts. Sprinkle tires and Zalst. They got, these things Zalst. got side Zalst. Yeah, side I Zalst. want Neil Bonnet in the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying, if we're not talking about people that need to be I in the Hall of Fame. Hang, hang, on, hang, on, there. hang on, Chuck. What would you say? Neil Bonnet. Hall of Fame. Is in the Hall of Fame? Not in the Hall of Fame. And that's to me, that is a crying-ass shame that Neil Bonnet isn't in the Hall of Fame. I, like, I don't want to get in and argue. We're, yeah, yeah we're like. We're, post-humous. What is it? Post-humous? Posthumous. We're in way over our heads that, right now. No, but, <laughs> we but are. That's, I, I want to say this because that's that argument of like Ricky Rudd being out of the sport and being kind of out of the the limelight. They kind of fall off. And Neil Bonnet, same type of thing. He passed away in, what, 94? He doesn't have the people advocating for him. Like uh, How many wins does Neil Bonnet have? 18 wins, but he was also a broadcaster, and he had that show that like brought NASCAR to the masses. I mean, all right, so yeah. let's just have this I'm conversation. Just, Neil Bonnet or Ricky Rudd for the Hall of Fame? Ricky Rudd, badass, won races for Robert Yates, won races for himself, made an impact as a driver, as an owner. 23, 23 wins. Did he deliver RCR his first win in that three car before? I, you think, know it was who? The, I think it was the 44 Piedmont, Piedmont Airlines, car. right? Yeah. Um, Either way. I could argue if you race Daytona with your eyes taped open, you should be a shoe in for the whole yeah. 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 Are hey, we look, even arguing about? Look. Now, what we don't need to argue about is because we got three guys yeah. going in this year, boys. Red Farmer. Old left Red. you on Red Dale Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and left me on Red Dale Jr. <laughs> and also modified NASCAR modified star Mike Stefanik. Love that group. All overly deserving of, uh, of going to the hall. Have represented uh, the sport. Red Farmer, almost 90 years old and still racing. Literally oh, still yeah. racing. Yeah. It, with this class, too, like, you have – this class represents motorsports and NASCAR, 
you know, I mean, look, you can go back to the first class and say, like, those those are the pioneers, the icons. But in terms of a broad scope of recognizing, you know, Red Farmer, a part of NASCAR's, like, you know, core history, Alabama gang, Dale Jr., you know, he brought NASCAR into a new era uh, in most popular driver. And then Mike Stefanik, which was a, a freaking, you know, Stud and the modifies. He was the mm-hmm. st- a stud. Well, not just I, mo- I mean, not just modifies Bush North. Yeah, ran a couple truck races. Ran I think some truck races. Yes. I great, mean, great the, meme from uh, the uh, Daytona. Yeah, uh, mean, mean cat, mean yeah, cat, yeah. Stefanik. Um, yeah, love that. I, it sucks that kind of that's kind of what he got famous for. But when I was younger, uh, he was sponsored by Burnham Boilers, and my dad was a plumber, so we would get like the suite passes to go to the Burnham Boiler Suite, and that guy, you know, I got to see him as a fan when I was a little kid sitting in the grandstands, and then as a competitor when I was working for the Bluets, and then, hell, he even ran some indoor races. He won an indoor race, and uh, he was a class act all the way through from building the cars to, to getting sponsorship to doing everything. It's important to have the touring guys or a low, lower level. I don't even want to call it lower level because no. Modifieds isn't a lower level. On paper it might be, but those guys are grown men making a living. Different discipline. Is Different the, discipline. That's a good yeah. way like the it. wording, Chuck. Those guys are were professional modified yeah. racers, right? No different. Well, that's big boy stuff. Well, it was a big hot take with Kyle Busch tweeting about the Tulsa shootout, right? There's people that aren't necessarily – now it's the NASCAR Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. And we talk about world dollars and talk about everything, but there's people making a living racing not just at cup, not just at the cup level. Right. And it's high the, – the competition's high all the way down. Quick round of applause for Red, Har- Red Farmer, Mike Stefanik, and Dale. Left me on Red Jr. Well, now I wanted to talk about Red Farmer. I got to interview him uh, a couple His years ago. His hair's red and so are his text messages. When we did the uh, <laughs> Neil Bonnet documentary that was on FS or FS1. Yeah. Um, and to my Neil Bonnet point, it was Neil Bonnet that pulled uh, Red Farmer out of the helicopter in uh, oh. Talladega. Yeah, because so. Red was in the helicopter with Davey. Yeah, with Davey. He, yeah. They're, like that, Gosh, like that, that whole that Alabama stuff. gang stuff, man. Like those guys have seen some stuff. There's this old past year, he had a tornado come through and wreck his race car yeah. and his trailer, and he's still out there winning. He did he win a race? Probably uh, last farmer. year. So uh, this is just a random story. So this was back when Dillner was working with us on the dot com project. He's like. He was begging me and begging me and begging me to go to the Talladega short track. I'm like, no, dude, I'm going out the, I'm going to the boulevard. So the next day, Donor comes walking back to the racetrack, literally the biggest grin on his face that you've ever seen. And I'm like, what are you laughing about? He's like, come here, look at this. And he pulled out a Red Farmer T-shirt that was, I guess, he wasn't really selling T-shirts, but he had one, I guess, one shirt that fit Dillner in the back of his van that was wrapped up in a bunch of fish and shit. It had red dirt all over it, yes. and like it was like all stained. He was like, he was like, I got the last whatever, whatever it was, a Red Farmer T-shirt he had left, and you know, I mean, the dude's a legend. Love that, love that. And you can check all that out on uh, who's broadcasting that next week? Peacock. Peacock. Check it out on Peacock Friday. I don't know when they're doing it, but they're, the induction ceremony is Friday, January 21st at 8 p.m., ladies and gents. Check it, it out. It's live. All right. You've been waiting long enough for some Merriman Ice Cold Blue Mountain takes. Let's just go ahead and get into it, Chuck. Let's just do our all-too-soon championship four predictions. Who do you got? Who do and I Janie, got? Janie, mark this because we're going to be pulling it up here in about 42 weeks to see who was most accurate. All right, who is most accurate? So, four drivers. I'm going to go Denny Hamlin. Okay. That's one of them. 
I'm going to say Kyle Larson. I okay. think Kyle Larson is going to do something there. And then we'll also put Corey LaJoy. Love that pick. In the <laughs> in there. I know you're oh. not kidding either. You better leave me in your four. I'll, I'll, I'll keep you in the four. Uh, I may adjust it uh, as we head into the playoffs. But Fair. Uh, for this, uh, <laughs> this preseason one. <laughs> and then that ever-popular fourth pick. I'm just, just pulling this uh, – Throw a Ricky Stenhouse. He's gonna say Kirk Bush. How can you can't? <laughs> you better not leave him out. Yeah, Kurt. Oh. Kurt's gonna come find you if you don't bring your him brother. Up. You can't leave your brother out. Big brother. I Kurt. can't leave Kurt out, but I'm also gonna uh, leave Kurt out and say that uh, I'm going Homer. I'm gonna go Homer. One of the Penske guys. I agree, dude. Ryan Blaney. Car. You going twelve car? Going twelve car. Dude, yeah. I've been telling people to hammer Ryan Blaney. He has been fast at every test. Um, I think I think Ryan Blaney has a breakout year this year. He had a breakout year last year. He's going to have more of a breakout breakout year this he's year. Gonna, he's going to break out of the breakout. He's going to break the broke. He's going to broke. I think uh, Pence, go ahead and sharpie in Ryan Blaney and Joey Logano. I think Joey is one of the most adaptive guys, no matter what, to Ryan's point earlier, dirt race guy. Like He's one of the most competitive guys I know, and he's one of the most talented Pencil Joey Logano and also Hashtag team, Frick. team Penske has won almost every single V8 supercar race across the pond, and it's a very similar car to what we're racing this year with this next gen car. Kyle Larson, most talented guy in the field that straps in on a Sunday afternoon, bar none. Number four, Brad Keselowski. Mm, I like that. I like I like Matt McCall. Brad obviously has some skin in the game over there. RFK LLC Incorporated Motorsports. I almost said you were going I three Penske cars, and I was like, no, no, Kez not is, going three Kez Penske is not, cars. Because it's not because Bradley wants to get that six car. Yep, that full six car and championship four. That's my pick. I like it. I like uh, so I like the Brad pick. I was gonna. I, I think he's been really fast. He's recruited a lot of good guys yep. to go over there. Matt McCall. They're spending money, which is something, to my knowledge, that. Hadn't happened over there. In Hang a while. on a second. To that point, everybody's spending a shitload. Well, of money. yes, yeah. but like you <laughs> on, know, you know, on, on, on payroll, car, on, on payroll. Yes. It's a yeah, new they've car. Got, they've got, <laughs> they've pulled more. some good guys over there, from what I hear. Yeah, yeah. Dustin Linebeck, Jack, and the thing. They've got some guys from Hendricks, some guys from Ganassi. Um, the six car will be strong, and Brad's got a point to prove. Um, I I do like a Penske car. I'm, I'm torn between the twelve and the twenty-two. Uh, I'll just go with twenty-two. Because uh, he's my landlord at the Powder Coat Shop, and we're getting dinner uh, with him tonight. I, yeah, I like uh, I I like Denny or Kurt or Kyle. I'm just gonna say Kyle because I like M and M's better than FedEx. Hang on a second. Kyle posts too many weird Instagram videos right now for me to take him to the championship for. He's 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 tighten that up a little bit. I think he's just trying to get too many brownie points. He ought to have a plethora of brownie points right now. Jesus. And the last one, like I, I want to go, like I want to hit all Ford and I, with the Chevy. I, I like Kyle. Obviously, Larson's the easy pick, but I'm going to say championship hangover. I'm going to go with a hot take from there, uh, Will Byron. I think Will Byron showed a lot of speed last year. I think Will Byron, Alex Bowman, being able to find victory lane. I don't want to sleep on Alex, but I think Will Byron, um, I like like the leadership Rudy brings to that deal. There you go. like that. That's a good pick. Merriman. <laughs> Let's hear the four that are not going to make the championship. <laughs> Jacques, yeah. Jacques Villeneuve. Uh, Jacques Villeneuve. No, he's going to win think, the 500. Uh, no, 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 no. So, I have I – have I think Tyler Reddick's going to make some waves, and I do think that RCR having a hand in helping develop this next gen car is going to carry a little bit of a carry a little bit of momentum. I don't know necessarily if it'll if we'll be saying the same thing in August, but 
to be different. All right. I'll 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 say the eight car. Okay, sweet. Uh, I do think that Denny Hamlin is going to be a force to reckon with. I agree with you. I think Brad Keselowski has a chip on his shoulder the size of the state of Montana for some reason. He's hell-bent on winning. And Blaney. Okay. We'll see. Who is your surprise You're pick? leaving off Larson? Okay. Who is your surprise pick to have a multiple-win season? Multiple win season? That somebody that you're like, oh, this guy had a multiple win is season. Your, is your big brother Kurt Bush considered? I think that could surprise? be one of them. Yeah, like a Kurt Bush. Like last year we had Blaney get his first multi win yeah. season. You know? I think Blaney has a strong year. What do you think about Chris Busher? I mean Do you think I mean we I think we all agree Brad's gonna win more than one. I think I think Chris Busher's an underrated guy. I think Brad instantly goes in there and step up his game. Off track as well as on track. You know, Brad kinda gets it from both sides. Does Chris Busher get – you can't say it his first win because he won it front row when the fog came in and all that, but get his first legit win? Quite possible. Call me crazy. I think I get my first win this year. Hmm. Points paying. No. I mean, okay. some, hey, I don't <laughs> hey. care. I'm not yeah. picking. A win's a win. Yeah. What's it Pay, matter? He just paid check is all he wants. I, like, after the test, I come home every time I tell Kelly, I was like, honey, I, f- I feel like we can mess around and win one of these things. Like – Get yourself in a good position at Martinsville or Bristol on a late race restart and, like, capitalize. As the kids say, F around and find out. Like, there will be guys running in places that you are not accustomed to seeing them run, myself included. Who's going to struggle the most? What do you mean? I start naming names? Like, I don't no, know. I mean, I'm yeah, just yeah, saying, like, like, hang on. You know, All right. What are you going to do when, when, when a dude who's used to winning races can't adapt or is, you know what I mean? It's going it's it's to happen to somebody, at least at some point. I think if they don't get the reins on it, I think maybe Harvick could have a rough season if they don't get it, get kicked off right. Rodney's Rodney's too good, right? Like he's he's too good. He's one of the best to ever do it. Here's what the four car has that will propel them in front of a seven car, right? They have full support from Storehouse Racing and Ford. The seven car, if their pit crew starts doing better than than he used a Hendrick pit crew, so if the seven, if Corey's pit crew starts doing better than nine car or there's somebody on it that's excelling, they get swapped out. They take the good guy, right? And that that's what's going to be hard, especially the deeper we get into the season, is the good guys are going to go to the house teams, just like they always have, and the guys that, you know, are not quite as good are going to be on the farm teams. That's where I feel like like the two-car with Austin, he's got a great opportunity with as many road courses we have, and our whole team has stayed intact. So he's stepping into a team that he's worked with before. He's worked with our whole pit crew to win an Xfinity championship and a bunch of Xfinity races, that's where later on down the stretch it could make the two-car maybe stronger than the seven deeper into the game. And that's that's a valid point because we, we talked about that after a couple of races where, like Darlington, for example, we run with a two-car all night. You know, we're racing around 12th to 15th, and after two pit stops, now the two-car running the same speed running fourth, and I'm running 20th, right, where if you lose one spot on pit road and he gains two or vice versa, like – you can't overcome at least maintaining or gaining positions on pit road. Like, those are free spots. So, I've seen it firsthand where an A-quality team can take a 14th-place car and leapfrog it to get a top 10 even better than that, and vice versa, take a 15th-place car and run 22nd with it. Can I bring this conversation full circle from modifieds to new faces, new places to Stuart Haas Racing? 
I think one of the dudes that came out of the offseason smelling like a rose when his outlook was pretty bleak is Ryan freaking Priest. That dude has got himself in a good situation for the future, in my opinion. With Eric Amarola announcing that he's going to, you know, retire at the end yeah, of the I, I under Yes, Ryan is in a considerably better spot now than what he was two months ago. Was it his best particular spot? Maybe, right? Like, who's in a better spot right now? Matt DiBenedetto or Ryan Priest? Priest all day. I agree with that. Is it a shoe in for him in the 10 car? No. no. Because – But he has an opportunity. Is Gene Haas going to put Cole Custer, Chase Briscoe, and Ryan Priest, three guys that don't have any funding with them, in full-blown – But he's got some opportunities to win races in lower series while being in the fold at Haas, which that's, that's why I feel like that's more attractive because he's got – his foot in the door here, but I yeah. think he's got some races with DGR and, yeah. you know, he's, he, yeah, he's got some things lined up. He's in a good spot. And I think he also is primed to, uh, to capitalize. I'm a big Ryan Priest fan. He came in hot, right? He came in hot. He came in off modifieds where every race he ever went to, he went to win. And he did it in a badass way by taking his money instead of running a full season. Yeah. Bet yes. on himself. He went and he ran the, you know, the, the zero cars there. Um, Johnny John Davis, Davis yeah. cars. For a year and or two, whatever it was, and figured it out, and then bet on himself. Went to Gibbs, got to the cup level, and then maybe realized at the cup level, okay, there's only so much I can do with my talent, right? Like driving the cars, the people around me, um, the team that I align myself with is is very important. Harvick represents him, and Harvick is a you know has Ryan's best interest in mind. Ryan is going to go where Kevin tells him, and Kevin's going to do what's best for Ryan. So that's the one thing that he has. Harvick's backing is going to take him places, and also his talent. Ryan's a really good racer, and he's he's going to be good. No doubt. Chuck, what do you got? I was going to ask this question just because it's something that, you know, last year was a bit of a struggle for the whole SHR team, right? Part of me, and I have nothing really to back this up, but I feel like this could be the year that, like, they come out of nowhere, new car, new stuff, and are that team that, like – does Briscoe get his first win this year? In a road course in this car? It could happen. Like, I mean, they, like I, I feel like they're poised to do something with this new car that could not necessarily shock the community because, I mean, we know that they're proven winners over there. But I think this is their opportunity to kind of rebound from last year and say, hey, guys, we're still here. We're still a force to be contended with because we left them out of our Final Four picks, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean – Chalk that up as one of the unknowns yeah. with the infinite list of those. You know, like there's way too many smart people and way too many good drivers over there, Stuart Haas, to be denied out of victory lane as much as they were last year and parlaying that in. in and this year. to Merriman's point of bringing it full circle with the clash, what do we learn from the clash that we can take? to the rest of the season because that's the first time we're going to see the car, first time we're going to see that competition. Can we learn anything from that that we're going to apply to the 2022 season? I don't know if a whole lot of stuff applies for – like you can't put a whole lot of stock into whoever wins the L.A. Clash is the championship favorite, right? Um, But what you can put in is making sure you have a ton of storylines over media week leading to Daytona 500 because there will be people fighting each other, screaming into the camera – with their helmet on, into the window net, there will be some hurt feelings and some bent fenders. And we got break. That, that was six hours. That was six hours ago. When this comes out, it's going to be last six week. Six hours but. ago, three three days ago, Dodge SRT partners with Tony Stewart's racing for the 22 NHRA season. Hmm. 
Merriman. Who do you think is the NASCAR team most set up to switch manufacturers if there's a new one? I don't know. I don't hmm. know. I don't fly black helicopters. I just shout them out. <laughs> I'll say this. I'll hmm. say this. Circling back to the Stuart Haas thing, the one Ford deal I think is, is going to be big this year. And I think if, if Penske is strong, it will also help Stuart Haas. I think that Ford's going to be working together. I think the manufacturers now – have more of an opportunity to all help each other. Well, they have no choice with ECR Hendrick, with, I mean... Roush Yates. Roush Yates and... Toyota. You know, I mean, I Gibbs mean, is just Toyota. Yeah, Gibbs yeah. is just Toyota, but yeah. All right, this is dragging mm-hmm. on a little bit. Janie, we got some Penny for your thoughts question. Let's close this thing on out. All right, Janie, we sent out a tweet this morning. We're bringing it back, Penny, for your thoughts, because I just love hearing what y'all have to say, what y'all have to ask, and I'll try to answer some questions you got. So, Janie, hit me. So, piggybacking off of the thought that you might get your first win this year, Chevy Wolf asks, Corey, if you could choose, which track would you want to get your first win at? Oh, I'm not picky. I mean, I think our best chances are a place like LA Coliseum. Martinsville is a place I get around pretty well. Bristol. You know, but I think you can find yourself in position at, you know, Darlington or somewhere like that that uh, we can hit on the setup of any particular day and surprise the world. Daytona 500? Daytona 500. So, okay, I'll get into this really quick. So I've got a camera crew following me around leading up to the 500 and following me and the wife and the whole deal like they did with that Motor Trend show. And I don't know if I like that because that's how we race. or The way we race the 500 is unique. All right, Janie, question two. Okay, question two is for Merriman, and it says, with an off-season of pit practice in the books, is the front tire changer still going to be a liability on the two-car? Well, it depends. I don't know what the discount tire setup is in Allentown, Pennsylvania, but from what I've been told, this dude's been racing a car. Not really focused. Do they have a one lug, you know, at the discount tire? You change the tires up there to get a little pit stop practice? I feel real bad for Austin Cindric, to be honest with you. (laughs) It's going to be a long year. It's going to be a long year. Good thing you won all them stakes last year at Daytona. Got a belt Who buckle. tweeted that? I'm going at them. They're getting a DM. Matt. They're getting blocked. I'm going to follow them. All right, moving on. Question three. And, uh, hold on. I think he'll have his nuts in order. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, moving on. P. Ronaldo says, Corey, I heard Austin Dillon talk about this on Dale's show, but can you go into further detail on how the new sequential transmission is going to impact coming down pit road? Yeah, I don't think anybody really knows. Uh, you know, Tyler Reddick does. Tyler Reddick knows that you cannot jam that. It'll go in gear if you push hard enough. If you get the RPMs match, it'll go in there and zing that thing. So you won't miss shifts on the upstart, like on the on restarts like that, like we would see occasionally. Not ha- We haven't seen that in a long time. But, yeah, I, decent question. I think you're going to see more tire lockups than you will see gear shift issues because now with the previous car, we didn't have enough brake to slow the weight of the car down. Now we have more brake than what is needed. It'll be about modulating the tire lockup because if you lock up one of these Goodyear 18-inch or 15-inch wheels, you're going to flat spot a tire and certainly blow one. So that'll be more of a factor than it's ever been. I've got two questions for that. One, will this open up opportunities to shift at places like Martinsville? Yeah. And then two, we've raced legend cars, and even even my midget, like you can get lost with this sequential gear shifter. There's a marker. There, on is the there a marker? It, t- it tells you just like we used to have in a legend car. Yep, fifth, one, four. one through fifth. Cool. Yep. And then it's got a minus one for, for, for reverse. Question four. 
Mike Westmiller says, after testing, do you think we will see huge blocks thrown at Daytona with the next-gen cars like in the past? Oh, for sure. If anybody was watching the uh, YouTube stuff for the mock races, Joey was throwing blocks like they got 30 cars back at the shop. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So you're going to see guys You're going to see guys that are aggressive trying to maintain track position. Joey's one of the best at it. Uh, he's got Coleman Presley up top on the roof spotting for him. Those guys have great communication and, and are good buddies. So the same guys, the same tendencies that we've seen at Speedway races before, you will see the same ones turn up in the 500 for sure. Last one. Okay. Is Kyle Larson getting nine and a half wins again? No. No. How many is he getting? What's he get? Over, f- like, over four. Four and a quarter. Yeah, 4.99. <laughs> 4. You going 10? I think now that there's the cars are so close, there'll be tracks where certain drivers' tendencies will show up more, right? We saw Kyle Larson is the most dominant guy at the Californias and the Michigans. He'll win those, no problem. Uh, that's where he's going to punch his ticket for sure. You see some guys that heads are bet to like Richmond is somebody somewhere I think like Denny Hamlin's going to show up good. And you'll see more of those driver tendency racetracks lean, instead of leaning towards somebody that's on a hot setup, lean back towards the driver's feedback a little bit. So Tyler Reddick's going to win Homestead. I, 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 that or he's going to knock the toe out because you can't touch. People think, yes, are the bodies more durable? Can the cars take a beating? Yes. But the toe link that keeps the right rear tire straight is about as thick as my pinky thumb. Or pinky thumb. Pinky, pinky thumb. thumb. Wow, evolution. <laughs> my, I was looking at my thumb. When I was looking when I had my pinky out. <laughs> If you if you hit the fence, as sensitive as the adjustments are on these tires and the tire patches is so big now, if you hit the fence, if you flat side it and it bends that toe link, you are in for a long day. Now, Tyler Reddick is one of the best at running the fence, as well as Kyle Larson. But you can't afford to hit the fence anymore. It's too sensitive now. And the guys that can get up there and get after it and not hit the fence, they can have at it and they'll probably be hauling ass. That's it, guys. It's good to be back. It's good to be back in the basement here at NASCAR. Get to look at you right in the eyes. Get to look right at Chuck right through the glass Just lens. Kind of like lean through a lens. Right around the, the yeah. TV camera. But, man, we're excited for you all to tune back in with us for a whole nother season. There's been as much energy in this offseason leading into 500 than there's ever been in my, you know, five or six years around the sport. So I can't wait to get going. I can't wait to keep giving you all some fire content here at Stacking Pennies. Tune in, I don't know, next week or whenever we do this thing again. We will be back right before the clash, so buckle up, ladies and gents. It is going to be a great year. And as always, we appreciate y'all for Stacking Pennies.